Yeah, we recently had sushi with a few of the younger people on staff. Yep. And I feel old saying that, but I've become one of the older people on staff now. <laughs> and we had asked just how orderly and organized they are. And talking That's interesting. through that. Yeah, getting to know them that yeah. way. Yeah. Does God care about things being done orderly or in an organized hmm. fashion? I think he could make a pretty good case. Well, doesn't, the, doesn't the Bible 14. say cleanliness is next to godliness? Yeah. Isn't that in the Bible? <laughs> it is not. Though we did see that Jesus made his bed after he resurrected. Yes, he so did. first thing he did when he resurrected, <laughs> made his bed. <laughs> Still one of my favorites. But first Corinthians chapter 14, we're going to see God just talk about how he does care about order, mm-hmm. things being in order. And we'll see what those things are in just a second. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And here we go. All right. You want me to start? Sure. Verse one. And, not, and we're, we're going to have quick. to. Yeah, we're going to have to kind of fly through this a little bit. Yeah, there's 40 verses. And so this is a controversial passage. The thing is, when we get into the, the speaking in tongues in this passage, that it, it's almost, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to go through and make comment on all this because it would take us forever. Yeah. And this is just a daily Bible reading where we try to make some quick analysis or application. And so we don't want anybody to think we're running away from this. This is a conversation I enjoy having. I always love any kind of theology, but uh, because of the length of this and uh, the just the nature of it, we're going to have to run through it fairly quickly. Yeah, so we're not running from a combo. No. Here Let we go. love be your highest goal, verse 1. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that would be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they are being called to in battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So it sounds like there were people who were speaking unknown languages or maybe even gibberish, and Paul's just saying, that's not blessing the church. Nobody understands. So it's just this whole idea, reiterating the fact, reiterating, sorry, reiterating the fact that the gift that God gives the church is to the church and it's through you. It's not just this gift that you hold on to to look special. Yeah, and there's another observation here, and that is the the Cor- church in Corinth was the most immature of all the churches that were written to in these epistles. And, and he points that out at the very beginning, that you are very immature because of all the, I can see this by the division in you and so forth. Well, with that immaturity, there's also this clamoring, this 
this craving to be able to see something supernatural that will bolster your faith. And I think that a lot of that was happening with these Corinthians. There was just this craving to be able to see the supernatural or for them to be able to practice the supernatural. And Paul is trying to get them to shift gears and instead to look to be a blessing to others instead of to be able to do things themselves. Yeah. Anyway, verse 13. So one who speaks in a tongue should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. That word interpret, by the way, is the word for translate. Some have tried to differentiate between translate and interpret, but the Greek word behind this, it just means translate. It's a word-for-word -word translation is what it be. What is. In other words, if you're going to miraculously speak Spanish, even though you haven't studied the language, there should be a Hispanic person there who can acknowledge and verify the fact that you are speaking a supernatural language. Verse 14, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit and I also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You'll be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Why don't you pick it up in verse 20? Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. It is written in the scriptures, I will speak to my own people through strange languages to the lips of foreigners, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So you will... so. Sorry, my phone sometimes freezes up and I was reading on my phone. Yeah. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. My goodness. Prophecy. However. There we go. Sorry. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they'll think you're crazy. If you all, if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. Verse 26 says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must be, must be to strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They should speak one at a time and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present, who can interpret? They must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak, one after the other, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. And that's kind of the whole point he's making here, is I want things to be done decently and in order. Women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. Now, we don't practice that, Dad, so you want to make a comment on that? Well, we're, uh, 
<laughs> getting me in trouble here. Um, you <laughs> well, know, no, it's again, a confusing verse. Yeah, though. The context here, though, again, is in the church gathering, speaking authoritatively as a prophet, and he is saying that that is to be done. I mean, in in all of Paul's writings, he's very clear about this, and I think it is consistent in scriptures as well that for whatever reason, this is what God has ordained that those in spiritual authority were to be men. We see this in the Old Testament. There were no female priests in the Old Testament. In uh, in Jesus's day, I mean, people want to put a lot of emphasis on how, I mean, Jesus was good to women that were outcasts. And they we love to talk about Mary Magdalene, but Mary Magdalene was not a disciple. I know the chosen, you know, gave her a prominent position, but they they far outdid what was actually in the New Testament. She She was not one that followed Jesus everywhere and was not one of his apostles. Jesus only had male apostles as well. And then we get into the New Testament, and, and we just, if I were writing the Bible, I wouldn't come up with this stuff on my own. But this is what God has said. And Paul is being consistent with the rest of scriptures and with the rest of his writings here that those that are in those positions of spiritual authority, that they're to be men. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church meetings. Or do you think God's word originated with you, Corinthians, or are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I'm saying is a command from the Lord himself. But if you do not recognize this, you yourself will be recognized. You will not be recognized. So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. All right. Long chapter with lots of controversial stuff in there. I'm sure we got a few people upset with us. That's right. And so, but don't be afraid to go ahead and send me an email. It is, it is J Machunga, M-A-C-H-O-N-G-A <laughs> at the bridge dot church. So that's, that's not even his email. I don't think uh, I don't, well, I'm just making it up <laughs> anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Well, Psalm 105 is the corresponding Psalm for today. And we'll just start in verse one and, and you can read the rest on your own. But verse one, it says, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Mm, I love that verse. Keeping gratitude on our lips and in our hearts. I mean, we go through our days with thanksgiving to God throughout the day. Even if you've got stuff that goes wrong, you wind up with a blessed day. And we pray the rest of your day is blessed as well. That's right. Have a good weekend. Yeah, see you in church. That's right. Unless you're too angry with me. And then, like I said, it's machunga at the bridge.church. Well, there's plenty of churches that might align with your opinion. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We'll see you Monday. God bless. God bless.